now more than ever, people need to go within and plug into that cellular memory, plug into divine source, detach as much as possible from the matrix. Hello again, everybody. This is James Bartley, and you're listening to the Cosmic Switchboard Show. Today, our very special guest is Leah Capitelli. Leah returns to the Cosmic Switchboard Show to talk about her memories of watching the Atlantean civilization come to an end. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel that it's, it's very important and it's apropos for the, the period we're in now. Uh, we have to strike a fine balance. On the one hand, people are saying, oh, what's going on with coronavirus, et cetera, is fear porn, don't give in to it. On the other hand, I do believe that it pays to be vigilant. It pays to be uh, aware and have our situational awareness uh, as high as it can be. Because to me, what's going on with this coronavirus so-called pandemic, whether it's real or not, and I, I do believe that in order to make it seem real, not only will they continually hammer us with the drumbeat of the uh, the media onslaught of pandemic, pandemic, another confirmed case, et cetera, et cetera. But knowing how they operate, it wouldn't surprise me if they have turned loose a number of vectors because it's always important from their standpoint to have that element of uncertainty, randomness, fear that anyone can come down with it. I'm not saying it is coronavirus. It can be anything. And it could be labeled coronavirus, okay? Mm-hmm. So the point I'm making is that I don't think it's right to just dismiss it all out of hand as fear porn, because mm-hmm. I think I see this as another 9-11 to really advance the agenda. On the other hand, we shouldn't give in to the fear and freak out and, you know, lose all sense of control. Mm-hmm. So that, therefore, from that standpoint, I think it's very important to have Leah Capitelli come back to the Cosmic Switchboard Show and talk about the final days of Atlantis and, and what she went through in that incarnation there's a lot of relevance to what's going on today. So without any further ado, Leah Capitelli, welcome back to the Cosmic Switchboard Show. Hey, James. Thanks for having me on again. <laughs> well, we're going to be seeing each other in a couple of weeks because yeah. you're going to be at the Melbourne uh, conference. Actually, it's yeah. going to be at a suburb called Preston. And yep. you're going to be talking, uh, if I understand it correctly, about Atlantis and what you experienced. And uh, you mentioned before we came on how in a recent lecture you gave uh, – at Byron Bay, uh, it was quite a cathartic, moving experience for you. And it was a sensation of having all these uh, feelings and emotions just come drudging up again. And I, I think there's a cleansing aspect to that. So without any further ado, just, you know, you've got the floor to Leah. Tell us what it was like from your perspective, who you were, what your species looked like, and, you know, give us the countdown to when things started to unravel in Atlantis. Okay. Wow. Um, so yeah, my, um, so I was born around a time where, uh, the civilization, the Atlantean empire was starting to decline. However, at the time, very few people were actually aware of its downfall and, um, many were living in uh, blissful ignorance. And I'll give you, um, a, a, a snapshot of why now, um, uh, Atlanteans were a civilization that were born out of a time where there was great warfare, when there was a lot of um, uh, basically world wars were happening 
left, right and centre and a group of people from these uh, communities decided to basically say, enough is enough, we're going to leave this nonsense because, you know, we're, it's not going anywhere, we're not progressing anywhere, we're not going to become anything. Um, and they decided to shift over. They, they, they did this great exodus um, and they moved over to a particular land um, that, in, according to their history and all, a lot of their myths, um, was extremely dangerous. And many who would travel there, a lot of their uh, uh, pioneers would often go there and they would never come back. <clears throat> Sorry. And a, and a lot of these people often feared to go there because it was uh, the, the waters were very treacherous, the land was very dangerous. And um, yeah, they, it was basically an unknown, an unknown place, but they decided to go there anyway because they just, they, they wanted to escape. They wanted to get out of there and they knew that place was there, there would, would be their refuge. Now, they made the trek and um, the many ships um, that they took to, to uh, make that voyage had fallen, um, whether it be by uh, bad uh, storms or famine and disease, whatever else that um, took them. But the ones who actually managed to reach the, so uh, reach the shores, unfortunately, um, found that the land was extremely dangerous itself. So there was a lot of fauna and flora that were uh, very, very deadly to people because it was an unknown, it was basically an alien land to them. They had, they don't, they didn't, they knew very little about it. So of course, when they would go out and try to um, find better terrain, find good soil and all that sort of stuff, um, again, more people would go missing, would end up dead. Now, um, during that, those settlers, were struggling to survive, they actually discovered there was an, indig an indigenous population of people living there. Now, the origins of these particular people is still a bit of an unknown because um, I don't, from, from my recollection of that time, because I remember learning this stuff in school when I was a child in Atlantia, um, the origins weren't very clear on where these people came from. Now, there was speculation that they were actually part ET, part humans that were living there for unknown untold ages but um the settlers were human and they met the natives and uh, the natives took some sort of empathy and sympathy to their plight so they decided to actually help them out because they saw that these people were really struggling and they were like okay well we know this place let's let's help each other out and it was interesting because the settlers learned a lot of their culture. They realized that these people had survived successfully for so long in this dangerous land. They realized that they, they had no war. They, they knew peace. Um, they, every conflict and every argument could be settled with a discussion or two. And um, they were wondering, how, how is this possible? Because, you know, humans are naturally kind of uh, warlike in many ways. We tend to get passionate and spark up a few fights when, when, when we feel like we're right, you know? Now, um, they realized that, that these people um, relied on each other to survive because this place was so dangerous. They had to take care of each other to see tomorrow. So that's why it was so important for them to survive together as a collective in, to, to, to basically prosper, to move forward. Now, the settlers uh, learned a lot and they, they adapt, uh, adopted their spirit, the, the uh, indigenous spirituality. Uh, however, they weren't at first forthcoming with the origins of their, of their, um, of their journey, of their voyage because the indigenous were like, we don't have war, we don't have conflict, we don't have any of that. If you want to do that, you, you, best, you best leave. 
but it wasn't until some time down down the line um, the settlers decided to actually open up a little bit more about how they came to be on these shores, what actually happened. And they said, well, I've got some uh, good news and I've got some bad news. <laughs> and they said to them that uh, we actually come from a w very warlike um, society and um, we decided to uh, 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 remove ourselves from that situation because we, we, will, not, we, will, we will not survive them. We, we couldn't survive them. Um, unfortunately, uh, because so many of us left, there's, there's a possibility, there's a very strong possibility that some of them may actually come to these, uh, to these shores, to these waters, and, um, you know, take uh, revenge and, you know, for, for, daring, for daring to leave their um, crazy kind of barbaric way of living. And of course, the indigenous were not happy with that. They were like, "Oh, you lied. You, you know, you're dishonest." But hey, they were there already, and they couldn't really get rid of them. So it was. Um, they decided to like, okay, so this is what we're gonna do. This sparked the age of fear. Um, this was coined by the historians of the time, um, and it was basically the two groups merged together and they started building um, great, uh, they, they started to really build on their society. So they were like, okay, we're going to find good terrain so we can put fortresses here. We're going to build this. We're going to build that. Um, they were building not only uh, weaponry and other, and other technical um, uh, devices that was geared towards warfare and defense, but also um, they were speeding up technology in medicine, in, in um, um, farming and just general other other um, needs that society requires to actually level up, shall we say. And so this uh, age of fear was basically a technological boom that allowed them to excel very, very rapidly within a short span of time. Now, over time, these two groups managed to merge into one line, into one, into one race, the Atlanteans. And um, as the years progressed even further, they realized hey, why isn't anyone coming? Why haven't we heard anything from other, from, from our would-be enemies? Why, why is no one, why has no one managed, to, why has no one come here yet? So they sent out a few people um, looking for um, what happened, where, where's the rest of humanity? And when they finally left the mists of the, of the shores and, and traversed to the uh, lands where they once knew cities used to be, they were just ruins. There were uh, craters. It was gone. It was destroyed. It was annihilated. And they realized that the people wiped themselves out. And so there was a sort of sense of horrible realization that they were the only groups of humans that were left. However, in that moment of despair, they realized that there were some humans who were still around living in isolated regions, in more, shall we say, primitive societies well away from all the cities to who avoided um, this this conflict this destruction and they realized my god this is our opportunity to rebuild the world to to do something better to to really because we were born in blood we will we we will not allow the future to receive the same so um, they went around and they tried to uplift as many groups of humans and cultures as they possibly could, um, implanted a lot of their kind of ways of uh, living and um, how, uh, treating with each other with respect being the most important part, um, not only technology, but the spiritual aspect was a major, major thing for them. They, they really wanted to 
um, give the, they wanted to change the attitude they that was their intent and they managed to successfully build a lot of these uh, societies up from from very very little to just sky sky high now as the eons progressed um, Atlanteans became the most dominant and the largest group uh, race of uh, humans in in this golden age um, because they they allowed um, prosperity of, of humanity to, 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 to expand, to grow. Uh, like we, we had, because of their technology, we had all this, we all, we all, we suddenly went from sticks and stones to something, you know, we could, we, we, we had, we had enough power and energy to, to do whatever we wanted. We could, we could build anything we wanted. We could far, you know, farming was, was <laughs> like, we, we could just, we could just create our own food just using energy alone. We didn't, we didn't, it, we we were big. We were and we were getting bigger. Now around this time, um, we managed to basically because of this huge boon of just technology, population, and uh, sense of um, uh, spirituality. That's when first contact happened. So ETs came, and um, there was sort of a, an intermingling. They eventually connected and. Um, and more time passed. Eventually, humans and ETs were living on each other's world. So you have ETs living here, and you'd have humans living elsewhere. And of course, naturally, it progressed to humans and ETs intermarrying. It was, a, you know, it, we even had special names to call these hybrids. Harkins, that was the name. To, and these particular individuals were highly revered because they were kind of the bridges, the, the, the types of people to, to, to have a better overview of, of the universe. Because Atlanteans valued knowledge and they valued understanding of the other. They, that, was, that was kind of their uh, most, the, the most important thing for them um, at the time anyway. But that changed as, as, a, as, a, as a later ages uh, would show. But anyway... Um, yeah, so we were, we were traveling the stars. We could go anywhere. We could do anything. We could see anybody we had. We, we were, that, that was the height of humanity. And, um, eventually it got to a point where, uh, Atlanteans started to really believe that themselves, that they were the best. <laughs> Uh, because everyone's telling them, wow, you guys are amazing, you're, you're fantastic. And eventually it went to their head, as all things do. Um, having that power eventually eventually uh, corrupted. So um, there was a bit of a, was a, so just, so there was a few things, a few things happening um, a few decades before my birth. Now, Humans were com essentially competing with other with other species in, in the cosmos. So um, even though it was peaceful, there was no war. However, humans were developing very, very quickly. And some ETs found that to be a bit uncomfortable. Some of them thought that was a little bit too quick, too fast. Like where's, there was, they were developing so fast, technologically speaking, but the spirituality seemed to kind of lag a bit. It wasn't falling as fast. And um, some of the methods that Atlanteans were using to, to, um, 
to, to gain this um, new developing uh, new developments, for example, phasing technology, which allowed, um, by the way, they, they already had phasing technology for quite some time, but phasing allowed um, humans as well as other races to be able to um, transfer matter into a different into a different frequencies to um, allow for improved travel. Um, this this they used phasing for not only travel but also communication um, to pass between matter. It was it was used for mining as well. They didn't actually have to drudge up the ground. They could just literally like phase a particular uh, mineral element, whatever, and they would just pop it out of the ground. So it was very it, phasing was a big thing. Um, however, humans were starting to develop geophasing um, devices which allowed them to, um, to blanket an entire area um, that would that would phase. Now they were hoping that these technologies would um, would be used as kind of like a defense um, a defense thing so they would put it around the city or several cities and if there was ever like a natural disaster or war or whatever it is, the city would phase it would like these sensors would go and uh, devices would be activated. And the city would phase, um, helping uh, the population inside them to survive. So that was that was something that um, they were doing. However, because of these, this is just one example of the other for the many technologies that Atlanteans were working on. The energy demand was skyrocketing. Was absolutely skyrocketing. Now we did have what we considered what we call nowadays as free energy we could take energy from uh, the universe from surrounding space and convert that into matter and whatever other forms we wanted now because we were using so much of it a lot of the a lot of the devices a lot of the plants uh sorry plants i mean the the particular buildings that allowed this to happen and direct that energy um, were constantly maxing out so they had to find new things new new ways and new um, innovative um, uh, machines to actually meet this, these uh, demands. But, you know, it kept capping out, kept capping out until one day they decided to start building a particular, uh, they were using pylons at the time. And now pylons uh, were these sort of gigantic pyramid-like structures um, that not only harnessed energy from the surrounding space, but they were also used as um, uh, water purifiers. They were also used as form of communication to direct for inter interstellar and international um, communication as well as travel. They were the hubs. They were they were supposed to be these 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 uh, brand new modern um, devices that was going to revolutionize the way of gathering energy forever. And they started building these uh, prototypes on the Giza plateau. And um, this was happening in the city called Alchem. Back, I mean, we didn't call it Egypt at the time. We called it Alchem, and the Alchemites were were housing this sort of construction work to be done. And Atlanteans, you know, had their blueprints, and it was like, okay, build this, build this, do it this way, do it that way. So they were going to use these power, uh, these uh, pylons, and that was going to be they were going to be right for thousands of years. They knew that. Um, but in the meantime, while they were being built, they found out, the Atlanteans had discovered that there was a particular type of mineral crystal that was only found in the center of the galaxy, of this galaxy. And they heard about these particular crystals from um, a few other ETs who were using it already for their own energy gathering purposes. 
And they felt like, well, if they can do it, so can we. We just borrow the blueprints. We learn how to get it. We learn how to make it. And we'll just use these crystals temporarily until we get these pylons fi uh, fixed and finished. So they went and collected them. They started using them. And they discovered very, very quickly that these particular crystals were potent. They were absolutely caked in energy. These things, their output was better than anything that I've ever seen before. They could, they, they, they could do like they they fell in love with that power they really did and they had a handful they had a, they had a, a handful of them i think it was like half a dozen or some 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 number some small number but they were enough to power several cities on their own one was enough to power several cities and it's just they were like this is great this is a fantastic you know uh solution to our issues but of course um that people knew about it but you know because there, there was this energy crisis going i remember i remember when i was actually a child there were some people were talking about it and then all of a sudden there was this huge hype of this crisis oh what are we going to do what are we going to do and then all of a sudden people stopped talking about it because this problem was solved so it kind of like slipped out of everybody's head now i would like to mention i would like to mention that atlanteans were all psychics Okay, maybe not all of the population. Few people who, who, some people were born without any psychic ability, but majority of the population of all humans had some level of psychic ability. Now, reading minds, telepathy was just a staple. That was a common thing. We, most of us had it. However, there were some individuals like myself when I was Atlantean didn't have that ability. I probably had some small level of psionics in me, but it was nothing in comparison to the average person. And people like myself were called mundane people who couldn't read minds, who couldn't see auras, who couldn't perceive the dead, who couldn't, you know, and we were considered side disabled. Now the Atlantean attitude, even though it was all about equal rights and, you know, equal opportunity and all that, there was some level of uh, discrimination towards people who were mundane because, um, quote-unquote they were disabled now um because of that attitude i also developed a bit of a bad attitude myself but i'll get to that in in a, in a second i'm sorry i'm kind of skipping a little bit but just uh to go back to the psychic part of it because atlanteans were all natural born telepaths and they were all learning at schools as children how to how to harness that ability and how to focus and and do all that and the laws we also had laws centered around um telepathy but because they got comfortable with their psionic gifts there was a sense they they started they started to slack so that they 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 believed that that sense of security that was their security blanket so if anyone were to um wanted to commit a crime anyone to do ill will um anyone who tried to lie about anything everyone would know about it you couldn't get away with it however and because of that sort of sense of you know comfort no one really thought to um, investigate no one ever thought to kind of look beyond the veil um whatever was said was said and it was assumed the truth because if you lie you you're, you're discovered so it was a very it was a it was a very different attitude um and it was actually their downfall <laughs> funnily enough now enter my life i was born uh, my name was delta umbrahe 
and I was born in an affluent family, wealthy family. Uh, my mother was like a socialite, uh, Harkin. She was a hybrid herself, human and Arinu. Uh, and she was a, a very, very high standing member in society. She wasn't exactly an ambassador per se for humanity, but she was a delicate, she, because of her status, she was very well respected and a lot of ETs would come to her in for, for, meetings and whatever else questions i don't know but you know she was she was working with top people basically and my father he was a geophasing uh he was a phasing scientist sorry and um he often worked in laboratories he was working with the best people um so we had money we had power but um he was never home my mother ha was a in she was incredibly powerful herself as a, as a psychic and not just her personality and presence, but she, she, she was very authoritative. I remember her presence. She was, she was a matriarch. She was like top, you know, she didn't walk, she glided, you know? Um, and, you know, I never saw her head hanging low ever, I don't think, but um, because of her psychic potency, uh, she had a child that didn't have that. And, which was myself. And um, I never had a good relationship with my parents. Um, I felt like I was the embarrassment. I felt like I was the, um, the one that wasn't wanted. Like I was wanted, don't get me wrong, but it was like, why did you have to be this way kind of thing? Now, <laughs> I can throw myself a pity party anytime, but I wasn't exactly the easiest person to get along with. <laughs> I had my own fair share of issues. Um, I, I favored my father over my mother anytime, any day. And I would deliberately try to show him as much affection when he was home in front of my mother over my mother. So it was like, so she, I tried to rub salt in that wound as much as possible, but you know, um, we didn't have a good relationship. And um, I learned as well when I was a child that my, the reason why my mom was so cold and um, she, she was cold, but she also had like a, a cold fury to her. You, she never, she never lashed out. She never, she never did any of that. She was just, she kept it all under control, but man, it, like, it was one layer away before like molten lava underneath kind of, you know, and um, yeah, I would try to hurt her as much as possible. And um, I learned that she was uh, left on the first day she was born by her own mother. So she didn't really have much of an upbringing herself. Uh, however, look, even at that time, as I said, people weren't perfect. There were some people who were, you know, uh, yeah, people weren't perfect. People were still people even in those days. And um, she um, she was not abusive, but she was just distant. And I think that was because of her history. And I suppose because of that sort of carried on to the next generation, that's where that sort of conflict, because I was very stubborn and she was very stubborn. So we would always fight. <laughs> we're always fighting with each other. Now, um, I was born as a mundane and um, I was, I excelled at everything I did. I know I, I, every concept, 
even though I was, I was a mundane, I somehow had the ability to understand things very quickly, complex thoughts, intricate. I could become an expert in anything. I knew I had the brain to, to really comprehend everything that was given to me. I, and everything, all knowledge seemed so easy for me to uh, absorb as breathing was to, to all of us. And um, I knew, boy, did I know I was the best. I tried to rub it in to as many people as possible. I was a smart little shit, you know. <laughs> Sorry for my language, but I was smart, you know. Um, and um, because of that, I suppose it didn't really help my social situation in school. I wasn't, I wasn't very popular. Um, and uh, I, I, I tried to use that kind of sense of I was better than than them in that in the intellect sense because they tried i was often bullied about my 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 being a mundane being quote-unquote side disabled and um i would always fight back i would get into physical conflict as well i i didn't get along with my teachers i didn't i certainly didn't get along with any of the other peers um and my parents just didn't know what to do with me they were like what are we going to do with you delta like I, you know, going to boarding school, you know, if regular school didn't work, boarding school didn't work. I, they tried home tutoring and that flunked as well. Because <laughs> um, I, I would often um, get my, uh, often the tutors would leave, leave the house crying, leave the mansion crying. So as I said, I wasn't the best. I mean, hey, it wasn't a good, I, I didn't have a lot of good things happen to me and I didn't do a lot of good things either. So <laughs> it's a, a two way street, I'm afraid. Anyway, um, it wasn't until my mid years, I, when I was a teenager, um, I discovered that my father actually had a relationship with a previous partner who he had a child with, which nobody knew. He didn't even know. Um, and this girl, this, this, my half sister, came to him, reached out to him. And, um, you know, she was a, she was a, she was several years older than myself. And, um, that ruined my life. I, that root, that completely, um, shook me to the, to, to the core. And I felt, um, I was put aside again. And because um, she went, when she came to the house, when I first, I remember when I first met her and she was this, like her presence, I can't even describe, but she had this, she, she was, like she was powerful. She was stronger than my mother. I had this sort of sense that she was, she was not only an incredibly adept psychic, but she, she could do so many things and she, her intelligence uh, was was great and um, she there was like um she was an acolyte and I'll I'll, I'll explain what an acolyte was um, acolytes at the um, acolytes were people who were students of the universe they were people who who um, would dedicate their entire lives to knowledge to learning that everything there is to learn everywhere every subject so they would go with martial arts music art science um medicine you know you you name it they would they would do it they would they would their goal was to be the masters of all subjects and to get as much knowledge and they were revered for that for that pursuit of their lives they would dedicate their lives to knowledge and they would often get um uh 
they would get free shelter, free house, you know, free housing, free food. Like they were very well looked after people because um, they weren't uh, necessarily able to have a life for themselves in the sense that they couldn't have a family because they would be pursuing their entire lives to learning. So that was, that was their title. And of course, she was a powerful psychic. She could phase herself. She didn't require any devices. She could, uh, she was a, a powerful telepath. She could, she had telekinesis. The list is endless. She had all these things and she was not even a few old, a few years older than myself. Anyway, um, she reached out to my father and, um, she came, she came over and I, it was, I remember looking at her, it was hate on site. I, I call it hate on site. And <laughs> uh, uh, she, what, what, it, it didn't help either the fact that she kind of um, uh, charmed my parents. Uh, they seemed to really like her. They were fawning over her. They wanted, you know, they were like, wow, tell us more about yourself. And there I was again in the corner. And um, they want, they would, they were, they accepted her into the family in a way that I never felt like I was. And I can tell you, I was not happy, <laughs> was not happy. And I kind of went a bit crazy one night. Um, it was a particularly bad night. I, uh, I was, uh, as I said, I, I was riddled with self, with insecurities as well as just all these terrible feelings bubbling up and completely skewing my sense of reason um i decided to eliminate her from our lives my life i tried to get rid of her of course i couldn't go anything directly i couldn't i couldn't go head to head with her because she would snuff me out like that of course not to say that my parents wouldn't let her but it you know what i mean it wouldn't it didn't work so i figured out another way um, I had uh, a little pet bird with me at the time, Agesh. She was my only friend. Um, I got her at school, raised her from a chickling. She was actually a bird from another world, but she was born on Earth, and I and I was kind of like her surrogate mother. And she was with me all the time. We had a bond. We had a connection. If I was to read anybody's mind, it was hers. <laughs> anyway, um, one night uh, after particularly bad dinner with the family um my half sister and acolyte i decided you know what this is what i'm going to do the moment she left i went to the family vault i opened it up and we had we had a, a small room filled with artifacts that were passed down from you know family heirlooms uh really invaluable things that cannot be replicated they were they were things so old that um, we don't really know how we got them. Basically, it was uh, it was the the most most valuable stuff we kept in there. And I found a particular artifact that I knew my mother would be very emotionally attached to because this particular artifact was linked to her own mother, the only thing that she ever received from her. And um, I decided to smash it. I decided to destroy it. And, um, but I was planning on having Mayan, my steps, uh, sorry, my half sister to, to be the one who, who did it, who, who destroyed it. Um, and 
in doing so, I would have this sort of made up struggle that I, I even just, I even broke my own hand to make it look like she was the cause of it in the struggle. So um, I did the act uh, with Agesh watching, watching my bird. And um, I, I can't even describe this, the sense of like, I, it was a sense of madness I had never experienced before or since, thankfully. Um, being filled with so much rage and contempt and hatred. And it was just this, like, even when I went down and I was actually beating my hand with that, with, with, a, with a, a piece of like a marble statue, like crushing my hand to make it look like she did it. She, she destroyed my, she crushed my hand. Like the pain of that physical act was nothing in comparison to that. Those bubbling just, just, it, I went now. I, I can't, I, there's no way I can describe it. The emotion was, was, it's it was so powerful that I felt like I, I remember it even even many lives later. So just to give you an idea, like I can't. If anyone's gone through that similar thing, you'll understand. But it was it was I, I don't know, I don't know. Anyway, so um, I uh, when it when it happened, my parents were summoned because they could hear me screaming. And they come in and they're like, what the hell? Like there's all this broken stuff and all this stuff everywhere is all smashed up and destroyed. And they see me on the floor, like I'm clutching my hand. I'm like, you know, like, oh, screaming that Mayan did it. Mayan did it, you know. And um, mom didn't, my mother didn't buy it. She saw, she saw something was sus. She's like, why would she do that? She wouldn't do that. It's not her, not a thing, not her, you know, I'm like, oh, how do you know? She's a stranger, you know, but. No, there was something a little bit more to it than that. Um, she, because my mother, even though she was a very powerful psychic, she struggled. She couldn't read my mind. She, I, I could, I could fight her off. Um, and uh, she grabbed my bird because the thing is, I could, I wouldn't let her in into my mind. She couldn't read my mind. She grabbed my bird instead and decided to scan my bird's consciousness to see what really happened to confirm. Her suspicions and um i realized that i that's when i realized this was the dumbest thing i've ever done this was the stupid what the hell because i'm seeing my bird flailing in her hands while she's reading her mind and it was just this because as i said the bird was the was the only thing in my life that i cared about at the time and um to see her do that i i realized this was i not only acted it was it was dumb. It was the the stupidest, dumbest, moronic, selfish, idiotic, blasted thing that could I could have come up with. And um, my mother saw what happened. Truly saw what happened. And um, after I got my hand healed from our family healer, <laughs> um, uh, they decided to leave me. They so not leave me. They decided to kick me out of the house. But I felt like they left me in 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 some ways. Actually, they they removed me from the house. And their reason was, though I don't blame them, um, that I was very I was very selfish. I was very I was spoiled. I didn't appreciate anything that was given to me. I was all these terrible things. And I the only way I can actually learn is if I went on my own to to discover myself. And um. But 
no one understood my life and I couldn't really verbalize because the relationship between them and I was so damaged already that there's nothing even if even if I had that light bulb flash moment at that moment when they were kicking me out of the house there was just nothing like they wouldn't believe anything I would say they wouldn't they didn't trust me they you know so I had to go through it through with it I left the house um went from place to place I realized that I had nowhere to go um I burnt every bridge I ever had socially speaking nobody wanted to put up with me I was on my own and I realized at that moment that this was the lowest that it was going to get I found a um I found a, it was a, it was a stay house. It was like a vagrant place where people would go to, you know, there's a transient place. It was, you know, where it wasn't exactly safe <laughs> to be in, but where else I don't, it's better than the streets, I guess. Uh, and definitely better than, than the weather outside because Atlantia was famous for her wild storms. And I was staying there and I remember rolling into the bed and I remember thinking, like, this is, this is it. This is, this is how, this is where I've ended up. This is how I've, this is, this is it. This is my life now. I've, I've pissed everyone away. My, this is gone. Like, I could have, I've could have had, I could have done so much better. I could, I've had so many opportunities to be better. And I just, I gave in to my lower selves, you know, I gave in to my lower emotions and I just let them ruin my life and had nothing. Fortunately, I befriended some people. I, I, I gained a bit of humility. I, I, I didn't become hum, uh, uh, humble, but I gained a little bit more than I had before. <laughs> um, I had some friends who um, supported me in, this, in, this, in these moments. And um, they convinced me to, um, to start making reparation to, to uh, 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 reparations to um, to start healing um, not myself not just the people who I've wronged but myself as well and the person I started with was the one person I dreaded to approach I did, I dreaded to go near and it was my stepsister that uh, half sister sorry half sister Mayan Mayan the acolyte and um she yeah because you know she because the thing is acolytes lived above the law in some ways as well they could if they deemed something to be if if they if they felt like this was necessary if they felt like something was necessary to do even if it was to physically harm another person then they had a they could get away with a sense essentially because of their status um and I was terrified of her, um, but I had no, not, nowhere else to go. And I had Agish with me. I remember going to her house, Mayan's stay house, or her townhouse, whatever. Um, and it was in the middle of the city and it was raining. It was, it was mud everywhere. It was cold as well. Um, I remember looking up at the door at her and then she knew I was coming to the house. First of all, she, 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 she just knew, she just knows these things. 
Um, and I remember going to the house and I'm looking up at her, standing up on the steps in front of the door and she's just glaring down at me and I'm thinking like, oh my God, this is it. She's going to melt my brain. <laughs> and I remember like, I am so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm basically on my knees and I was like, you know, I understand if you never want to see me again, you don't want to do anything. I'm, I completely, like, I, I, I don't, I, I didn't think about how to apologize. I was just apologizing. It was the first words that popped into my head and I must have looked like a complete not an idiot, but I was just crying. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just... And I was like, you know what, if you wanted to get rid of me now, it's, I understand it. I would do, I would do the same. I said something along the lines of, I remember like just thinking, I remember feeling like if she wanted to end my life now, it would be fine. It would be fine, but she didn't. She just sat there, uh, stood there and watched me. Um, and then she moved aside and let me in the house. And I remember like thinking like, what the hell? Why, why? She didn't say anything. She didn't, she didn't even give any indication that she was, um, that she she had accepted or anything, but she did. She 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 stepped aside and let showed me the open door. I quickly went in because it was getting very cold and it was warm inside. And um, I was accepted. It was it was acceptance. It was I was let in the house. I didn't buy my way in. I didn't lie my way in. I didn't manipulate anybody and and she let she let me in the house and um that was i think the start of my life actually it was a start of we're not going up from from the bottom um and she she uh help me find my purpose in life. Um, I've always been, because I was, because I was a, an avid student of many things, I enjoyed many different topics. I, I fell in love with history. History is my favorite thing. And uh, history was an obsession of the Atlanteans themselves. They, they were very careful and very meticulous about recording everything that ever happened because in their history books, they, they're, um, they realized that, um, you know, this, this it's for the future generations, it's for future learning. Um, and that's why history is so important. So it's to give something of the future generations to, um, to understand, to, to, to connect, to not repeat in some instances. And um, she helped me realize that was my passion and my love. And uh, she taught me how to become she because of her status as a as an acolyte. She taught she gave she essentially gave me something equivalent of like university level of education um, to become a scribe, which was like a like a historian, recorder, all that. Um, but an active person that would go around to different places and just record what's going on around like, um, you know, go to a uh, uh, like a like a it could be just like going to like a, uh, how, how do I explain it? Like a, where, where they're developing new like a, like a laboratory or a um, power station or going to like a cultural, like uh, 
like a festival or something like that. I would go all around the world and I would be recording all the stuff down and documenting it and make and keeping it in special in special vaults um, to to be used, to be read, to be consumed. Um, and I began working as a as a scribe, um, which was um, like a I, I was working in a in the uh, in the Atlantean um, library and these halls and I remember the architecture was um, very indicative of Atlantean obsession because um, uh, the the every every part of the of the of this library which was like a combination of a museum and, and, and other things but um, they would have like a, a very old piece of library that was built many many like when it was first freshly built like it would be maintained of course but it was the that that the oldest parts and as the ages progressed there'd be new architectural additions they would just add on add on add on so when you're going through the halls of the library you'd be literally walking through history you can see it and um i remember looking up at these monolithic uh columns these um they were uh, columns but they were statues as well holding up the glass ceiling and all of these figures were from history like these notable people who lived and who died that were of not only atlantean significance but global all around the place even some ets were actually um um carved into into the into the library's walls because um we care we history knows no race knows no species doesn't care doesn't discriminate just tells what is the truth was the most important part oh so i thought anyway at that age um as i was working in these places i um had the privilege to go to uh the pylon um where they were building the pylons in el Kim, and i was working with somebody who pardon me, um, who, who was an alchemite. She originally came from Alchem and she, her knowledge of, of those pyramids, of those pylons were far greater than my own. And we, we, we would often go there and I would do, you know, record and do everything I, everything I was supposed to do. And then I discovered some interesting, some odd, odd oddities while I was there. And I realized they're not really working very hard. It was actually the very first thing that popped into my head when I, when I went there, I'm thinking like, they're not, they're not working. They're not, they're not really, aren't we going through an energy crisis guys? Like what, why are we not, you know, speeding these things up a bit? They're like, Oh, it's okay. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. But here's a weird thing. When I was over there, um, that, well, that was one weird thing. But another strange thing is when I realized my presence in Alchem was extremely unwelcoming. And I'm thinking like, what the hell? Why is no one like, why, why am I getting so much uh, negative feedback from everyone? Why is everyone being very aggressive towards me or dismissive? And then my, um, my coworker, Abessi, she said, because you're an uh, Atlantean. I'm like, what are you talking about? Why would they hate me because I'm Atlantean? I, I'm an Atlantean. They would, they should love me, right? Uh, no. <laughs> um, I learned that uh, people's hatred or oh, disdain, I should be, be more specific, it wasn't outright hatred. Some people hated, but it was mostly disdain um, towards Atlanteans was because uh, Atlantean people, well, sorry, the, the, the 
the uh, civilization itself, the Atlantean civilization, the, the country itself was consolidating all the power that they were generating in the world. So they would, um, they had enough power for their own people to use and whenever they wished. But a lot of other countries in the world, like Elkem, which was the sister country of um, Atlantia, um, a lot of their people would only have power at certain times of the day. They couldn't use whatever they wanted. It was it was very limiting for a lot of people. So it was very hard to... So, so um, basically, uh, the rest of the world was getting scraps off the Atlantean table in regards to energy, as well as other things. Um, and uh, a lot of people were very were struggling because of this and they saw all Atlanteans to be this these users and abusers of the world um and I but the thing is I wasn't aware of this and I um I mean I thought this was I, th I thought everybody had energy I thought this was accessible to everybody it wasn't just Atlanteans but no it was only Atlanteans but thing is it wasn't talked about amongst the people no but the thing it was a combination of just People just simply didn't know, like myself, I had no idea, but also people not wanting to talk about it, deliberately keeping it quiet. Because why rattle, why rattle the cage? I mean, I mean, look, uh, tensions were already rising between Atlanteans on a national, on an international scale, but also on an interstellar scale. When Samitis found out that we were using these crystals, they were working tirelessly to get humanity to, st to, to stop doing it. Of course, at the time, I didn't understand why. I just knew that they just didn't want it to happen anymore and so on and so forth. And Atlanteans were getting, you know, to a point where like, we're, we're getting too big for this. We're too good for this. We know better. We know better. We know what's good for our people. It's been working for tens of thousands of years. Why should it be any different now? We know. Um, but it wasn't until I went to Alchem that first time it opened up my eyes and I realized how dire the situation was and when i saw those uh pylons being slowly built because as i said well aren't we going through a crisis what's happening i realized there was something really really suspect there was something not right and the fact that no one was talking about it or at least no one in atlantia was talking about it we, we would we were kept dumb for a country of psychics or a world of psychics we were deliberately kept in the dark and yeah anyway some time progressed um i had the opp opportunity to sorry james did you yeah yeah i was just gonna say sorry. um just hold that thought because sure. it, we come to a good point to have a break and i'm yeah. really interested in this because <laughs> you know the, the whole background <laughs> leading up to, to that point and, and now the people there's an element of denial there's an element of uh you know confusion that's mm -hmm. been instilled into the populace through one means or another so uh we've reached the end of a first segment with leah capitelli talking about her atlantean incarnation and the parallels and perhaps the contrasts mm -hmm. that it holds for today's time period uh leah can you give us your website information yes um so it's a uh, star novus leah um at uh, sorry sorry i'm just trying to remember like I have to I have to get my card out. I'm so sorry. I'm like, oh, that's no, quite all right. Well, we'll put it up, uh, you know, on our website and on our YouTube channel. 
No worries. Uh, and, you know, for the viewers out there, if you like what we do, if you believe in what we do here at the Cosmic Switchboard Show, please go to thecosmicswitchboard.com, sign up and become a member, and we'll see you at the top of the next segment.